Jumbo, fellow adventurers, I'm Mike Dooley, here to remind you once more that your thoughts become things. And I'm going to do it today by dropping another edition of a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. These were broadcasted live this week. My answers to fellow adventurers' questions about life, dreams, and happiness, and each one took 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We've sewn them all together for your viewing and listening enjoyment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you that your thoughts become things with another spiritual tune-up. 380 of these so far. Check out the archives. Chances are I've already touched on a topic or two that you might have interest in. The archives are here at Facebook. Go to more and videos on this very page and or Instagram, my Instagram TV, IGTV. All right, let's get a little bit closer to earth. Last week, there was a lot of esoteric questions. This week, let's make it about love and romance, okay? Uh, Mike, finding love. I remember you saying, do all you can with what you have from where you are. How does this apply to meeting the love of your life, particularly if you live out in the rural country? During COVID, I have been single for a very long time. I've tried tirelessly on many, many dating sites and have been on many dates and I find it all very disheartening. There are so many time wasters out there with no respect or kindness. Uh, I, you know, excuse the sense of humor here. I know what you're talking about. I have given up on the dating sites for now. What is your advice on what else I can do? I feel like I should be doing the dating sites, but they are leaving me deflated and disheartened. Frankly, sad. I would honestly rather be on my own than with some, than with someone just for the sake of it. I just want to meet one good, kind, happy guy. You are not asking for too much. Great question. But I do see a dynamic here that's a little bit interesting. I'd rather be on my own than just be with someone for the sake of it. Good. And that kind of changes things because if you are really all into it, then you wouldn't be doing any of this for the sake of it. So how did that get into the equation that you're doing this for the sake of it? Maybe society, maybe because it's what you should be doing. Uh, hopefully this answer is going to help you get to the kernel of who you are and where you are right now because timing is so essential and timing will take care of itself when we're happy on all other fronts of our lives. So two big dives here. The first is really simple and, and please forgive me if this sounds like I'm oversimplifying things, but I am an expert at being desperate and dateless yet turning it into the relationship of my wildest dreams. Thank you, universe, for that. I, I didn't get married until the big 5-0. Nothing uh, prior to that. Uh, relationships, of course, uh, generally very short-term in duration. And I always wanted to be in a relationship. It was like, oh, come on. But I learned a few lessons and I wouldn't change a single thing and neither will you want to change something by the time that great relationship happens for you because it will happen for you when you are ready. And you will be ready that you're asking this question. Number one, don't make such a big deal of it, okay? I know, I know, that's not so kind and it's easy to say, uh, not so easy to do. But the two things people most want in my audiences and I don't think it's me, is typically they want 
that incredible relationship or they want money, okay? And they think that either one is going to be their gateway to happiness. Happiness comes first. Happiness will get the floodgates trembling for the financial abundance that is yours by birthright. Happiness will make you a magnet to all good things, um, including your Romeo or your Juliet. Don't make it such a big deal. Um, if you can't help it, that's okay. You're still going to crush this. So it's like, you know, there's so much wiggle room in all things when it comes to manifestation. You're so inclined to succeed. But if you can just take a little bit of pressure off of yourself by focusing on other areas of your life, by relishing the freedom and the space and the quiet you now have, because as my mom used to tell me when I was desperate, single, and dateless, enjoy it, Mike, because the day is going to come when there's going to be mouths to feed and noise in the house, and you're just going to wish so much, as many, as many people do who don't have it, uh, for quieter times. Okay, so enjoy that you have that right now because you won't for long. That guy's coming, that girl's coming, um, and focus on other things in your life. This brings me to the second deep dive, and you quoted me perfectly. Do all you can with what you've got from where you are. In terms of the relationship and beyond, do all you can with what you've got from where you are. Okay. Kudos and props to you for signing up for websites because they are the most demoralizing thing in the whole universe. But I don't think ever I let a year go by when I wasn't on some dating website. And I tell you, I don't know if it must have just been me. I, for every email I got, either out of the blue or in return to, to mine, I must have sent 30 or 40 Okay, maybe that's a guy's lot. Maybe that's my lot. But I would send out 30 or 40 emails and I would get one back. And it was so demoralizing. But here is the big thing I want you to understand. When it comes to all manifestations, it is far more important that you do something in the direction of your desire than what you do. It's more important that you do something then it is important that you do the right thing. Like there is no right thing, wrong thing. If you're doing your best to move in the general direction of your dream, in this case, a perfect example is get on a dating website. Okay, you can, you can go on the down low. You don't have to put too much information out there. You can do it at your pace. You don't even have to, you don't have to make that work. But just by doing it, oh, the magic you unleash. And I know it seems fruitless so far, but you don't know the miracles that have played out on your behalf because of this step you've taken and all the website you've, you've been on. What you do when you take action in the direction of any dream is you ramp up a heightened sense of believability. You ramp up um, this magic that says, yes, this can happen for me. And suddenly in the unseen and in realms beyond, in time and space, even certain people are getting that tap on the shoulder and stars are realigning and ships are coming to within reach of one another so that they will not only pass in the night but rendezvous in the night you create expectation you find it easier to believe in what you're doing even if it seems like failure after failure and nothing for nothing 
by doing something. Uh, this is a little bit unrelated. I mean, obviously it worked for me in relationships, okay? So I was on the websites. I told people I'd go on blind dates. I went out on blind dates. I hung out where single people hang out. I did all those things. And when I least expected it, living my life in Mexico, I meet this senorita who changed everything for me. Um, but a another maybe example to illustrate this, when I used to go out on the road to sell Tut t-shirts, totally unique t-shirts, the beginning of what this business is right now, tut.com, totally unique t-shirts back in the day. We would be at the home office, the warehouse, me and my brother and my mother. Um, and I mean, the phone wouldn't be ringing, wholesale customers wouldn't be calling, nothing, nothing. But once a month, I'd go out on the road in my little car and I would drive all over the state of Florida and stay in flea bag hotels. And I would go get up in the morning early and I would go door to door to door to try to sell 12 t-shirts that we had designed and some leggings. And um, the weirdest thing would happen. I would no sooner hit the road on my sales calls than the phone back in the office would start ringing with a reorder or somebody found an advertisement or somebody saw somebody wearing something and they, they got our phone number off the hang tag. And it was like, and I would go out there and it was never, I was never particularly good nor productive nor successful in my one week um, sojourns across the state of Florida to sell. But there's an electricity that gets ramped up when you start physically acting on your dreams and you can't see where that electricity goes, but it's going, it's out there because you're doing something combined with all else I'm about to share you. So this is not just, you know, take baby steps. I got more for you than just baby steps, but because you're doing something, there's like this believability, expectation, anticipation. It's like you've signaled to the, the, the divine. You become a lightning rod for serendipities. I would make some sales, but sales would come in whenever I left the office um, as if by magic. And this evidence is what the point I'm trying to make. When you act on a dream, you tilt the playing field in your favor imperceptibly to the physical senses, but powerfully in a metaphysical way. So it behooves you. I know they suck, but do these dating websites anyway. You might meet somebody who meets somebody and then somebody tells you about somebody and it won't be a person you, you found on the dating website, but because you went to the dating website, something else triggers. Put it this way, my teaching point. Sometimes knocking on one door that you didn't want to knock on in the direction of your dream that maybe doesn't even open will force a different door to open that never would have opened had you not knocked on this door that never opened. And when this door opens, it's like the beginning of a huge dream come true. And it never would have opened if you didn't knock on this door. Whoa, it's stranger than fiction. Yeah, stranger than fiction. I said that right. So Continue to do all you can. Like I said, go out on blind, blind dates. Let your friends know. Do the obvious things. Um, and do the not so obvious things. Okay, I remember, okay, where do you live? You live in, um, you know, a certain city and a certain township and a certain province and a certain state. And so you're, you're filling out the profiles for that. Have you filled out the profiles across the Atlantic? Have you gone to some of the international dating websites? 
Why? Not because you're going to meet anybody that way. You might, you might not, but because that's going to make it exciting. And now all of a sudden you've got a date in Amsterdam or in Hong Kong or in Sydney, Australia. And yeah, you tell them where you really live, but you know, hey, looking for some international love, man, you're going to be aroused and anticipating things you never would have been aroused or anticipating if you had just done the website in Orlando, Florida with a radius of 25 miles. Blow it up. Blow it up. Do the unexpected. Join clubs. Go to events. Trade shows. Not necessarily dating clubs. But what else do you like in life? Metaphysical stuff? Join a club with metaphysics. Go to a trade show. Do it on the internet. If you can't um, get around COVID restrictions and social distancing, do the unexpected. Do stuff to ramp up your love life that's unrelated to your love life. Just get excited about life, which leads to the final point under this, do all you can with what you've got from where you are. And it's the point I make no matter what I'm talking about when it comes to living deliberately, creating consciously, manifesting the life of your dreams, diversify. You've heard me say this probably four times in the last two years, but I do believe that one of the things that has helped my life expand and grow and be enriching um, in certain areas is that while I was waiting for those pots to boil, I got busy in different areas. So I got my career on, I got finances on, I got creativity on. And then when I met somebody, it was like, I got everything taken care of. You become much more interesting. By all means, don't date for the sake of dating like you said. But if you're thinking that that's some of what you're doing, then give it a rest, okay? Because you don't need to. You don't need somebody else and nobody else is going to make you happy. The happiness thing comes first, right? So, so maybe give it a rest. But if you're really ready, then be out there on all fronts as you live a rocking life in every area uh, of, of, of your participation, cooperation, um, with the world, with your community, with your neighborhood, with your associations, with your profession, with your work, with your clients, with your competitors. Diversify, 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 because life is just so sweet. Uh, and there's, your relationship, when the person shows up, will be enriched even further when you can bring to the table all this other juice from your life and they bring all their juice from their life and you both have all these different interests and different things going on. It's coming. He's coming. He's just around the corner. So prepare all systems. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the quiet right now while it lasts because he's probably going to snore or worse. He's probably going to make the house a mess. Now you can have it your way. Uh, I'm just, I'm kidding, but I'm telling you the truth as well. Enjoy it. It's all good. There may be a lot of distance between you today and the life of your dreams. But the road, if you happen to notice, runs straight through paradise. So celebrate. You don't have to do anything. Take a week off of dating sites if you want to. You can still succeed without any dating site compared, contrary to what I just said. I'm just saying do stuff. And so that seems like a logical thing. It always worked for me. But yes, you could, if you do other stuff, you could skip any one uh, corridor that just makes you sick or that you need a restaurant.
Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up where we are going to speak directly to the sacred nature of these jungles of time and space. I mention them and reference them at least weekly. Uh, it has been rare, if ever, have I spoken directly to them. Although little bits of what I'm about to share with you will resonate if you have heard all of the other spiritual tune-ups. Mike, if we are meant to live in joy connected to source and have our fondest dreams manifested through our thoughts, why aren't we born with this information? Or if we are born with it, then why is it so easy to lose touch with it and be lost in ignorance for a lifetime? In other words, why is it so difficult and challenging to find and walk this path, even after we rediscover it? If it is the way things are meant to be, and this is the way our world works, why wouldn't this be innate and ingrained in us like an owner's manual that, that came along with being born human? Wow, that pretty much sums up the ultimate question of our presence here. What the heck is going on in these sacred, beautiful, majestic, wonderful, loving jungles of time and space. First, realize we came from, you know, using a time reference, a space reference. Uh, I think we, we need to do that when we have a conversation with our brains and words. Um, but, you know, understanding that time, space, etc., is illusory. It is not exactly, not quite what we think it is. We came from being everywhere, always at once. Divine mind. And divine mind is truly on an unending uh, adventure into self-discovery, exploration, infinite possibilities. I mean, if the mind of God can create a physical universe with a hundred billion galaxies, each galaxy with a hundred billion stars, one physical universe, not talking about probables or parallels, and create the splendor that we know to be in existence on this one planet. Can you imagine the objective, the possibilities, the depth? No, we cannot. We cannot imagine it. Yet we can see that it's present and that it exists everywhere. And we can trust that all is profoundly, supremely well, that nothing can go wrong in a permanent sense within the mind of God. And so God's mind, for lack of a better word, certainly not male, female, it is everything, everywhere, always at once, every grain of sand, every mote of dust, creates these realms and dimensions and universes. And as some have said, wondered what it would be like to be on the inside looking out instead of knowingly being everywhere always at once. What an incredible idea to forget that you're everywhere always at once while still being everywhere always at once while not surrendering any of your power and glory. Always safe, always guided, always in a place where everything that happens adds to who you are and everything that doesn't happen adds to who you are. Everything adds to who you are. And so fleetingly, for a blink, divine intelligence can be my dually. 
and can be you and can be 8 billion, 8 trillion, 8 zillion other players in multiple different physical and parallel universes and more than we can even comprehend and it ain't no thing. But for now, what's at hand is understanding you your sacredness, your place in the circumstances you've crafted that are around you now. You figure yourself out and everything else will fall into place. Then you'll blend back into the mind of God, not losing yourself. Your identity, your personality is eternal. Um, So nothing to fear there, but your perspectives, your window on reality, all that your heart has felt has never been experienced before and is added to divine intelligence. So we were everywhere always at once and now we have fleetingly agreed to ride on the razor's edge of reality creation in these phenomenal jungles where we are simultaneously streaming it as we are witnessing it. And it is so breathtaking. It is so spectacular. It is so objective and here and there and now and later and have and have not. It's like, it just takes our breath away. And we have momentarily, even if it's a thousand years, even if it's a thousand lifetimes, momentarily forgotten that we are the creators, the co-creators of it all because we are pure God divine energy. Why? What was the point? For the adventure, to check it out, to see from the inside out, to experience human emotions, which is something God had never experienced before. There's no such thing, as I said last week, as homesickness, yearning, pining, giddy excitement. These are made possible by believing in the illusions, the lies of time and space and matter. By fleetingly believing in these benevolent lies, we now have this game board and we are the tokens that have come alive inside of God where all is supremely well. And we wanted the full Monty, man. We wanted the whole deal where anything was possible and that your free will would be up to you to decide and to craft and to shape and you decide what you think about. Oh my gosh, some people lost might choose things that aren't good for them. It's okay, it's happening inside of God. It's fleeting, it's temporary. In a blink they wake up and they're like, oh, that was just a dream. I dreamed I was in time and space. It seems so real. Let's go back, it was so cool. And so we have gone from everywhere always at once to being here and if it was easy to answer one of your built-in questions there. If it was just, you know, child's play. Oh, I want, uh, I want 100 friends. Boom. They all love me. Oh, I want wealth and abundance. Boom. Here it is. Uh, I want to live on the beach and in the mountains. Boom. You've got both. Um, you would get sick of that. You would, you would say that's crap life. That's bull crap. I, I want to totally feel who I really am and whatever I am feeling, I want to create it. And I'm feeling good or bad, high or low. I want it all. And I'll maintain the integrity and the ability to be able to see that there is a consistency and a method to the madness. And lo and behold, when I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, I'm going to self-reflect and realize that it's all me. And that if there's something I don't like, I change my mind. I change my thoughts. I change my words. And in that moment, nothing's going to change. That's a hook. That's an adventure. But if I keep with it, 
day after day, month after month, and I hold that vision of all that I want as if it was real, while I play in matter, in form, in the, the beauty and the, the, the sacredness of everything, time will bide and the illusions will transform and I will attract brand new circumstances and brand new perspectives and I will have that faculty that makes it possible for me to remember on the fly who I really am. And then, oh my gosh, can you imagine how life will bloom on planet Earth when we go from the darkness, not knowing who we really are, into the light? And everyone cares, and everyone's patient, and everyone's creative, and everyone is learning and helping everybody else learn, and everybody has dignity. It's going to be so much more meaningful after having been lost to finally be found. Right now, we still eat of the forbidden fruit. That's the story of the prodigal son that went the wrong way and, and started thinking that life was happening to him. Loses it all through total confusion. But by asking if they can re-enter the fold, come back to the Father, come back to truth, all things, boom, to the chagrin of his brother, were added unto him. And then we stop eating of the forbidden fruit, which means we stop thinking that life is happening to us and we realize 24-7 we are happening to life. Brothers and sisters, you are happening to life. What don't you like in your life right now? Change it here. Change it here and then speak it anew. And then change it here and show up as if that vision was reality and the circumstances around you were not. This is the power you have. This is the challenge you have set for yourself. This is the adventure of all adventures where it is never too late. Where you are surrounded by friends in the seen and the unseen. Where you are predisposed to thrive. Your whole life is proof of it. You are this tidal wave of magnificent, loving energy. And even when lost, you're loved. And even when lost, you feel love. And even when lost, there are friends and complete strangers that surround you. This is the nature of the challenge. Why is it so hard? Because it was more fun that way. And is it really so hard when, it's, when every day is still a good day? Uh, see the truth. Die to the illusions. Die to the illusions. Be born again to the truth of your holy, sacred pilgrimage that God dwells within, that your thoughts become things, that you can change anything that you don't like, that you can use your creativity to go beyond what you can even imagine. Imagine incredible, supreme joy and happiness in the universe. Your greater self will be like, I know how to do that. We're going to rearrange this and rearrange that, and I'm going to blow your mind. You're not even going to believe what's going to be happening for you in the immediate future. This is the nature of the, the game. And the rewards are through the roof. Even now in our pain, it's beautiful. Can you imagine when we're pain-free? Can you imagine when there's only clarity? This is the nature of the jungles of time and space being played out in the heart of God where you create every nanosecond of your life. Don't let that scare you. Let that thrill you. Let that excite you. Right now, when I'm done, think some good thoughts. Imagine things working out. Imagine hearing congratulations from friends. Imagine their warm embrace. Imagine the happy tears rolling down your face and tasting the salt with your tongue and your mouth. This is it. This is visualization. Then you create these images 
that the elements of time and space will quickly rush to fill. You are the master creator. You are the master potter. You are the engineer of all engineers. Look at the pyramids. Look at Machu Picchu. These are examples of people who have tuned in to the truth. You can tune into the truth. You've done it. You're asking these great questions. Don't think that we are lost forever, that we're lost for a lifetime. We're found. That you're here, that you're watching this, you are found. Just practice a little bit more. Hold on to the images in spite of nothing seeming to change and thy kingdom shall come. Thoughts become things. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, welcome to another spiritual tune-up. All right, today's question. Oh, sometimes these hurt so much just to even read them. You'll know what I'm talking about in a minute. Mike, what's the deeper purpose behind miscarriages and undesirable events? Please help me understand the deeper purpose does the spirit of the unborn baby decide its purpose is not ever to be born? Does the spirit of the unborn change its mind? Is the miscarriage the result of the parent's manifestation and has nothing to do with the unborn? Thank you. Well, I, I can't quite wrap my head around all that, that you presumably or a loved one has gone through uh, as have many other gone through. But I do have a deeper insight, if you will, that perhaps with time may uh, help you connect some dots and find some peace because you deserve peace. Nothing went wrong. Um, higher objectives are always being met. The first thing to share with you here, the question was pointedly towards miscarriages. I added and un other undesirable events. There's no question undesirable stuff happens all the time. Uh, I want to first remove you from a place of thinking that there is typically a reason for a miscarriage. You know, the baby, the parents, uh, whatever. There is no typical reason for a miscarriage any more than there's a typical reason for uh, any other undesirable manifestation, a car accident, cancer, you name it. Um, relationship breakup, the list is endless. There's no one reason. Looking for a reason can blind you to opening your heart and your mind to other possibilities. And it can pigeonhole you into a place of blame and guilt and self-loathing and just perpetuating a profound misunderstanding um, that something forgive me for saying this, a misunderstanding that something went wrong. Now, I know it didn't go the way you wanted it to go, but that doesn't mean in the greater scheme of things, it went wrong, okay? Like any undesirable manifestation, um, it comes to pass because other greater, more optimal manifestations took precedence. And the only way these greater, further manifestations down the path could come about in your unique situation was for, for there to be this miscarriage oh, and or for other people, the car accident or the other setback or occurrence or what have you. Whenever the unthought of comes to pass, it's always, 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 always because just beyond it, by hours, days, maybe years, something desirable was dreamed, 
and could then be made possible for the path you tread. You, we are drawn through unthought of territory, sometimes excruciating unthought of territory for higher objectives that we did want. And we all want greater joy. We all want more uh, self-approval. We all want peace and harmony. We all want comprehension and understanding, enlightenment in these sacred jungles of time and space. And sometimes we are drawn through unthought of territory to get us there. Other times we're drawn through thought of territory to get us there. But we are always drawn through a territory that is in alignment with all else we think, breathe, speak, and behave about. So while things did not pan out in the short term the way you wanted them to, you can be assured they are panning out in the long term in the ways you most want. Okay, sometimes it's a step back for two steps forward. The other day I was talking about relationships and how my heart was broken and bleeding for decades. I wouldn't change that for anything because it set me up for what I now have. Uh, it is always like this. It never fails. There's zero exceptions. It was not God's will. It was not your mistake. It was no one's mistake. It was for your greater good. And whether or not you can see this now, the day will come when you can see it. And the more we resist it, the more we push against it, the more we deny it, the more we cloud our own thinking further, breaking our heart, removing us even greater from the objective that would have otherwise been met. But perhaps now, through a sense of hopelessness and self-denigration, can no longer be met. Did the child change their mind? Whenever there is a mini mass event, two parents and a baby that doesn't survive, or, or a family that's profoundly affected, including siblings, aunts, uncles, grandparents, everyone involved, everyone knew of the greater likelihoods and probabilities that were being sussed out by those most profoundly affected. And all to one degree or another recognize this as a probability and they are in on it as well. They didn't cause it, they didn't make it happen, it's nobody's fault, but everyone aware of anything to some extremely distant degree is part of a co-creator of it. Now you decide what happens in your life with your manifestations, your baby, your fetus, etc., as does the fetus itself. But you've got to realize that as I've shared in all these other talks, we are eternal, multidimensional creators. And if a door closes that was about to open, another one opens somewhere else. And that nothing is lost, contrary to what our physical senses show us. In many regards, all manifestations in time and space show us that there is more going on than we realize and that we, are, we have a greater hand in it all than we realize because certainly God's not picking and choosing. Other people aren't picking and choosing. Everything is playing out to a greater good. You'd expect no less in the palm and the heart of God. So don't look for blanket categories. There is no such thing. Even if there was a common cause, as I said at the outset, there's not, even if there was, that doesn't mean it would apply to you or your unique situations. Don't even try to figure it out. Just know instead that all is uh, 
progressing towards higher and greater objectives that will one day be perfectly clear to you. I'm sorry for the challenge and the difficulties that this is clearly presented for you and other people. There will be undesirable manifestations, but just because circumstances can be excruciatingly unfair doesn't mean life is unfair. And I know that that's not an easy one to get your head around, but it's worth trying. Dumbo fellow adventurers, little technical glitch there. Uh, I'm Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up where I answer your questions every weekday morning, 9.15 New York City time. Uh, this week, the arc is going towards family and domestic issues. Today's question, domestic violence and its related trauma. Oh, not an easy subject. Um, but so worth exploring because you have power, you have options. And if this is your situation, uh, it's the red flag on the plague. Time to do something about it. Let's talk about uh, violence. Um, uh, domestic violence, like all violence, okay, there need not be a distinction here, um, is born of confusion, is born of fear, is a coping mechanism, and is most unhealthy. It's born of anger, never ideal. Now, I would never suggest sweeping anger or any emotions under the carpet. Bring them out in the air and deal with them. Anger management, study, therapy, whatever it is for you. But anger, sometimes we feel like you know it's the fuel that will drive me towards creating change in my life. Well, it could be that, but it is almost invariably uh, poisonous and unproductive. Anger is not your ticket, okay? Passion, excitement, enthusiasm, joy, that's easy street. Anger, while it can be leveraged, the same could be said of violence, can be leveraged, it can be used, it is not the way to go. So if you're feeling anger, please examine it. Uh, discover that you're powerful, that there's nothing to be afraid of, that there is enough time. And if you're the person in a relationship that is prone to bouts of anger and or violence. You need to extract yourself from that situation. You need to realize no matter what the provocations seem to have been, none of them ever would rise to the occasion of your response being justified in terms of anger or violence. Yes, I, I know anger is very much a common part of all of our lives. That doesn't mean it's normal. That doesn't mean it's ideal. It is not normal. It can be expected during primitive times when we don't realize who we really are. But if anger shows up, let that be your invitation to go within and realize you are missing something. And you can harness your power in far more effective, highly efficient ways. Anger, violence are born of confusion. Get clarity. Go within. We don't know that we're not clear until these symptoms and these traits show up. Then we know you know if this is you. If you're the abused, oh my gosh, the question will come up uh, again and again. How? Why? Where? It's all wrong. It is all wrong. It's completely wrong. But just like we were talking with miscarriages yesterday, every one of us in these sacred jungles of time and space sees the probabilities before our incarnate our incarnation, and we chose according to those probabilities. And sometimes the probabilities were not pretty. They were not smiley faces. They were not rosy, but they spoke 
to greater objectives. Remember yesterday with miscarriages, we talked about nobody thinks about a miscarriage. Nobody wants a miscarriage, but they want the peace, the joy, the power, the empathy, the compassion that can come from it. It can also create a a shift in circumstances that might not have been otherwise achievable in the way that they were achieved. And so these occurrences or, or being in the way of violence or a miscarriage can take your life to another plateau while learning other lessons because everything that happens in that journey will be in alignment with all else you thought, believed, and expected of life, people, men, anger, violence, however you define it. So why would somebody be at the abusive end of violence? Greater, higher objectives. That does not justify the violence. It is wrong. The violence is always wrong. Call it out. Part of your healing, part of your presence there could well be to call it out, to find your strength, the strength you didn't know you had until pressed physically by somebody else who's going through manifestations that will ultimately show them their power and that anger and violence are not the way, you on the receiving end are also learning simultaneously in this co-creation, not justifying it, in this co-creation that you have power, that you have options, that you can believe in yourself, that you have dignity, that you deserve far, far, far better, that this is wrong in every sense of the, of the way. Um, point it out. Press charges, if that's what you're called to do. Ain't no shame. Might be why you're there. Bring this person to, to account for what they have done. Keep love in the equation. I mean, if you are one of these gladiators of joy and, and abundance, who've chosen a lifetime where there was a probability that you might be violated, it would be, talk about end objectives, it would be the love in your heart the love in your heart to risk all as you helped someone else, as you helped yourself. It would be solely for the love in your heart to help someone else as you helped yourself. And that way to help somebody else might be bringing them to task, bringing in uh, the authorities, pressing charges, uh, all of those things uh, as I've just already shared. Uh, seek help. This is part of the resolution of trauma. Seek help. Whether it's a, a, from a loved one or a professional counselor, seek help. Another thing you can do to move through your trauma is to be of service. Be help to someone else. Be help to someone that is perhaps three levels prior to where you are now and they're just now discovering their power they're just now learning their voice be of service as you seek your own help um, give it time give it prayer but above all let love be part of the equation which does not mean you have to tolerate that which does not mean you have to stay in that house which does not mean anything other than let there be love you can press charges with love you can wave goodbye with love let there be love in your heart. And that's not gushy love. And that doesn't mean stay in touch love. That just means like, look, there's a higher order. We're all a little bit lost. We're all a little bit confused. We're all walking each other home. As I frequently quote Ram Dass 
um, in these spiritual tune-ups. We're all walking each other home. And sometimes it gets really ugly. That's how much you love. That's how big your heart is. So anger, nah. Violence, nah. Invitations to go within. Being abused, nah. Invitations to go within. Find the love that put you in this uh, vulnerable place so that you could find your power, that you could bring about a healing, that you could uh, bring them uh, the light as you bring yourself the light. Nothing's going to put a smiley face on a talk about domestic violence or the abuse. Nothing I've said is an attempt to justify it, uh, only an attempt to explain it so that we can eradicate it because it is not going to help anybody. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up. Happy Friday. Got a really buoyant topic today. Not as buoyant as they may have wished to have been. The Atlanteans, that is. They had a bit of a problem with the flooding. But uh, perhaps a topic to bring up spirits from a heavy week, uh, dealing with some heavy topics in earlier spiritual tune-ups. All right, all about Atlantis. Okay, what I'm about to share with you has come from a lifetime of reading metaphysical, spiritual stuff. And oftentimes these conversations go in that direction. In particular, the Seth Material by Jane Roberts, Ramtha by Jay-Z Knight, um, The Antediluvian World by Ruth Montgomery, uh, Edgar Casey. Those are some of the folks who have written in depth about the existence the rise and submergence of the lost continent of Atlantis. Absolutely very real. And interestingly, many of these authors say as much that Atlantis was not the only highly, highly advanced civilization, far superior in technological breakthroughs than what we now know today. Atlantis wasn't the only one. They were there, Atlantis, but there were the, there were the Lemurians, uh, the land of Mu, which might have been the Lemurians, um, and there were several others, some of which lived inside of the earth. Uh, I'm not going to go there in this conversation. I know much less about them than I do from my readings about Atlantis. So let's talk about Atlantis. Some say the origins of the Atlanteans were, this is from The Real History of Earth, um, a book by um, Sal Rochelle. The, the Atlanteans are the descendants of people who lived on another planet, originally Maldek. They blew up Maldek when they advanced, technologically speaking, beyond their ability to spiritually comprehend their powers, and they escaped to Mars. They e evolved on Mars. It was a thriving, highly evolved civilization. I know this sounds crazy. Hey, you asked, and this is what I know. And uh, the warring continued on Mars. They wiped out life without blowing up the planet this time, but before doing so, there were outposts on Earth. I gotta say, it's so utterly unimportant whether or not high technology came from other planets, uh, aliens, or here. We're all the same. We're all sparks of God. We're all um, on this evolutionary wheel physically and spiritually learning of universal powers and our own innate gifts to create, 
to direct our thoughts, to focus our energy, to live in joy, love, peace, harmony. That's what it's all about. So whether or not through our own ingenuity, we figured stuff out as earthlings or it was done on another planet, it's still all of us. I, I can't state that strongly enough. It's not like there's aliens and then there's humans. We're all conscious creators in God's kingdom, if you will, God's queendom. So it's kind of unimportant, although super interesting, that perhaps Maldek, and then the question is, where did the Maldekians come from? You could go for on and on and on. We're all sparks of God. So it's not so important what planet we originated upon. All that we're capable of doing can be done right here at home, home base Earth, spaceship Earth. So, so back to Atlantis, highly, highly evolved. And one of their signature technological breakthroughs was harnessing the energy of crystals. This is a quartz crystal, all stones, all rocks, all gems, rubies, and the like. Um, have an ability to amplify and magnify the greatest source of all. The greatest power source of all is you and your thoughts. So don't give your power away to crystals, but yeah, they're fun to kind of have on your desk and, and to realize um, as uh, Tesla, Nicholas Tesla said that they are uh, the building blocks of, of life and intelligence, okay? According to Nikola Tesla, I, I'm sure I botched that pretty significantly. Those are not his exact words, uh, but there's something living in a crystal, okay? Enough said. So the Atlanteans were able to harness their own power magnified by crystals, and they used this to do incredible um, architecture, build vast cities, levitation, and war. They were a warring species. They were also highly evolved, more so than we are today, with a spiritual awareness, for the most part, that there were other elements beyond what the physical senses could detect that could be brought to bear to enhance the magnificence and beauty of life. So they were technologically involved and spiritually evolved, but they had some real problems. Okay, three real problems. Number one, their technological advancements outstripped their spiritual advancements. They were making progress at a breakneck speed without regard to all of the spiritual implications. They had developed the ability to create life forms, which is the stories of our zombies that were kind of not regarded with respect. They were able to have like a Frankenstein creature um, probably far more sophisticated than a Frankenstein creature that was able to replicate and they used these creatures of their creation as beasts of burden. And they did not treat them with any kind of respect whatsoever, just one of their many follies. There was also profound segregation um, on the continent of Atlantis not just with themselves on their island of splendor, but versus the whole rest of the world that was relatively primitive. And also throughout the continent of Atlantis, there were different classes of people and many, well, like a caste system, uh, many used this as an excuse to discriminate, to frown upon. Uh, some of this came from Ramtha, a really cool book, The White Book by Ramtha. Jay-Z Knight was the channel. So they were not 
into respecting their own creations, their own living creations, nor uh, God's creations, if you will, through other species, other races amongst them. Um, to to a, a rather sickening degree, uh, tantamount to slavery. Okay, and then the war problem. They were fighting with others who were uh, rising in their power, rising in their awareness of spirituality and technology. So the Atlanteans were at war frequently with other civilizations on planet Earth at the same time. And it is said, I think by Edgar Cayce, that it was their use of lasers as a weapon. They can be used in many different ways creatively as well. Their use of lasers as a weapon, shooting through the earth, around the earth, and blah, 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 that they pierced a cloud cover that had always been present around planet earth up through that point in history. The earth was covered with clouds. Uh, there was no looking up to the blue sky. It was like a Saturn or the rings around Saturn. There was permanent cloud cover the world over. I've told you my sources already at the outset of this. You have to watch it if you're joining late. Different books that I've read. But in piercing the cloud cover, it created this domino effect. And there was this enormous, enormous downpour that, you know, 40 days, 40 nights, I don't know, uh, the great flood. But interestingly, several of the books speak to the fact that Atlantis sunk over about a thousand year period. There were three great upheavals. So I don't know when they pierced the cloud cover. Maybe that was the last uh, of the big upheavals. But ultimately, it sunk in three phases and they ultimately lost all their technology. And before it finally sunk, there were outposts, the islands sinking in the Atlantic Ocean. There were outposts in the Americas and in Africa uh, and Southern Europe. And so here we see something that exists to this day. There are towns and cities and villages on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean with similar, if not identical names. And we also see pyramid structures uh, in Egypt and elsewhere in the Africas and in Europe uh, as, uh, yep, they're in Europe and in uh, Central and South America, we see pyramids. Perhaps this uh, is the Atlanteans dispersed, um, bringing with them some basic uh, recollection of levitation, crystal power, other ways to tap into source energy. Um, ironically, many of the descendants, so the, the, those who lived during the time of Atlantis, you know, individuals have a learning curve, a social, um, spiritual, conscious evolution. So do societies. So do civilizations. And the civilization of Atlantis was learning about brotherly love, um, inclusivity, um, not getting carried away with technology and letting it outstrip your ability to comprehend it with a spiritual mind. They didn't learn their lessons. And what do you do when you don't learn your lessons? You go back to class. And so several of these books that I've referenced speak to the fact that today on planet Earth, many, many of its inhabitants are former Atlanteans 
come back again to learn the lessons that weren't learned before. And we can see these exact lessons now being played out. Some are ready. Some have mastered it. Others are resisting, saying no way. So this is the evolution of consciousness. This is how spirit grows. We do come back again and again and again for the joy of it, to learn, to break through, to understand the beauty in ourselves. Well, there you have it. One more week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just saw or heard, please share with a friend, uh, thumbs up, like, follow, whatever may be the case on the platform you're now experiencing this. If you want more inspiration every single day, I send out a note from the universe. Right now, it's going out to a million people. We'd love to add you to that list. Enjoy. Thoughts become things. See you next time.